You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of All Good Things, a Star Trek Universe podcast here on the BQN and the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kelvin, and with me today, we've got Amy, Mark, and Christos. Christos, how are you doing this week? I'm well, thank you. I'm toasting a special episode with my very expensive special Star Trek champagne flute. Wow, that looks beautiful. It looks expensive as well. Oh, it was. I rarely use it, but you should feel very honored. We are indeed. And Amy, you're back with us. How have you been this week? I have been doing great. You know, we got our mission orders from Star Trek The Cruise. Very excited. There's a lot of themed parties. Got any exciting themes? Well, one that I'm looking forward to is Mutiny on the Holodeck. Um, Lots of pirate themes. Nice. Oh, I can't wait for that one. And Mark, I see you have a little visitor there with you today. Yes, I'm joined by Murphy today, my handsome old man. Oh, is this a first for all good things, or has Murphy been on before? Uh, I think it's his premiere. Ooh. Okay, listeners, well, we have a very special episode planned today. Um... Oh, right. Okay. Never work with children or animals, I guess. Uh, Mark, maybe you could mute Murphy or place him in the next room or something. Sure. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, no, Christos, what's happened? I don't believe it. I knocked it over and smashed my glass. I'm devastated. We need to get back on track now. Kelvin, are you on mute? Oh no, listeners, we seem to have lost our host to technical issues. Kelvin, uh, maybe try changing your audio settings and uh, trying again. Yeah, Kelvin, I recommend setting, resetting the router and try to rejoin us. We can always edit it out. You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of All Good Things, a Star Trek Universe podcast here on BQN and the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kelvin, and with me today, it's Amy, Mark, and Christos. Christos, how the devil are you this week? I'm well, thank you. I'm toasting this very special with my very expensive Star Trek champagne flute. Oh, wow, that looks beautiful and, uh, yes, expensive, but rather brittle as well. So you be careful with that. Yeah, it was expensive. I don't use it all too much, so you should feel very honored. Don't worry, I am. Maybe you should move it over there a little bit so it's out of, uh, out of arm's reach. And Amy, you're back with us. How have you been this week? Well, it has been just wonderful. I got the mission orders for our Star Trek cruise. I'm getting excited. Ooh, have we got any exciting themes? Yes, there's one mutiny on the holodeck night. Looks, you know, intriguing. Lots of pirate themes. Wasn't that a theme on the last cruise? I think that was Nights on the Holodeck. Could have swore we've done pirates before. Hmm. And Mark, I see you've got a little visitor with you today. Yes, I'm joined by Murphy today. My handsome old man. Oh, is this a first for all good things? Or has Murphy been on before? No, it's his premiere. Uh, I think he's... Wait, 
I think he's been on before. No, I can't. I can't care, remember. Um, you guys know my. <laughs> you guys know my members not so good. <laughs> Mark, maybe put him in the other room in case he gets noisy and barks. Oh, he won't. He's a good boy. Oh, okay, listeners. We have a very special episode planned today. Uh... Oh, right. Okay. Well, never work with children or animals, I guess. Maybe, Mark, maybe you could place him in the room next door. <laughs> I told you. I just had a feeling that would happen. Whoops. Sorry, guys. Oh no, Christos, what's happened? I don't believe it. I knocked over and smashed my glass. <laughs> Devastated. <laughs> I had a feeling that would happen too. We need to get back on track now. Kelvin, are you on mute? Oh no. Listeners, we seem to have lost our host to technical issues. Calvin, uh, maybe try changing your audio settings and, and trying again. Yeah, reset your router and try rejoining. We can always edit. You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of All Good Things, a Star Trek Universe podcast here on BQN and Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kelvin, and with me today, it's Amy, Mark, and Christos. Christos, how the devil are you this week? I'm well, thank you. I'm toasting this very special with my very expensive Star Trek champagne flute. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. It looks expensive and brittle, too, so be careful with that. It was expensive. I don't use it too much, so you should feel pretty honored. Indeed we are. And Amy, you're back with us. How have you been this week? Yes, I'm doing well. I'm very excited. Got the um, oh, the mission orders to our Star Trek cruise. Looking forward. There's some themed nights going on. Oh, any exciting themes? Well, what I'm looking forward to is mutiny on the holodeck. So lots of pirate themes, which I think we've done, haven't we? No, I think it's it's a first. I'm sure I already have an outfit for this. Hmm. And Mark, I see uh, you've got a little visitor with you today. Yes, I'm joined by Murphy today, my handsome little man. But he's only saying a quick hello, uh, <laughs> as I have um, visions of him barking and possibly ruining the show. So I'm just going to um, put him away. Oh, hi, Murphy. Well, listeners, we have a very special episode planned today. And... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I knew that would happen. Never work with children or animals, hey? Hey, I was about to say that. Shit. Oh no, Christos, what's happened? I don't believe it. I knocked over and smashed my glass. Damn it. I'm devastated. Well, this is going well so far. We need to get back on track now. Kelvin, are you on mute? Oh no, listeners, we seem to have lost our host to technical issues. Calvin, maybe try changing your audio settings and trying again. Yeah, reset your router and try rejoining. We can always edit it. Great suggestion, Mark. You know, I was going to reset my router like Christos just said, but I had a feeling at the last minute it just wasn't going to work. So I changed my mind, Mark, and went for your suggestion. Well, let's get on with the show. What is the topic today, if you haven't guessed? 
Listeners, today our topic is a very special episode. As I said, we're going to our host pick, which is me, and we're covering my very, very favorite Star Trek episode, not only of TNG, but forever. And it's cause and effect where the Enterprise is in the temporal causality loop. So apologies to listeners if we've caused some confusion. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, well done. A-star effort for all of your acting. (laughs) The Emmy nomination is in the post. Just cast me in Star Trek Legacy now. Oh, that was so much fun. And I'm so curious to know what the listeners thought of that as we went through. Kudos to Kelvin listeners. He wrote all of that. Um, That's a lot of effort for hosting a show. It is. Now, Kelvin, this is your host choice because we have a special anniversary to celebrate with you. Is that why the champagne flutes are out? That's where the champagne flute idea came from so uh, full disclosure to the listeners christos hasn't sacrificed his champagne flute for me three but times yeah, three times indeed this is, it's my one year anniversary on all good things so this time last year i believe i actually joined on christos's host's pick for the chase that was my first episode was that oh a year ago already? God. That I felt like we just did that episode. I know we just discussed <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, guys, we're not doing the deja vu bit now. We don't. We can stop. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> well, Kelvin, it has been an absolute pleasure podcasting with you this year. Uh, it feels like longer. Um, just so glad that you have joined us here on All Good Things. I couldn't think of a better way to spend my Sunday. <laughs> um, so on to on to business, cause and effect. I class cause and effect as a perfect TNG episode. I think it's brilliant sci-fi. It's time travel, which is classic time um, sci-fi without it being so in your face. It's an interesting time travel episode. But also, I just want to start with a a kind of a behind the scenes kind of why it also takes its place as the best for me, because it's my favorite writer and my favorite director. So this is a Branham Braga written episode directed by Jonathan Frakes. So before we even get started, that's pretty close to perfection already. What are some of your initial impressions of cause and effect as an episode? Mark, what do you think? I love the fact that everybody has something to do and everybody contributes to solving the mystery. Uh, I would say that maybe Deanna Troy has the least amount to do. And I'm wondering if maybe she had a scheduled vacation or she was having a baby or I don't know what was happening, but she was in a minute of the episode total. And I don't think she had any dialogue or she said like great joy and gratitude and she was done. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> she, it was it. Yeah. In and out. Sorry, I had the same feel, the same thought, Mark, rewatching it yesterday. I'm like, oh, Deanna's only in the the conference room and the bridge sets, but you know, you, they probably spent days filming those scenes over and over again and from every angle. But she's not. She should in. have had the premonitions, though. I think that part was written for her because why would she not have hear the voices and Doctor Crusher would? That makes no sense. Okay, so I was thinking about that this go around. And but when Picard asked Troy, you know, well, do you sense anything? And she's like, no, that's because she is so familiar with the voices on the ship that even an echo wouldn't stand out to her because those are familiar to her. I did Mm. think that. And she does have the least amount of things to do. Would also kind of have messed up the poker game a little bit if she was there, because she would have sensed that people are feeling a bit discombobulated and not themselves. So she would have affected the dialogue by saying, you know, Beverly, are you okay? You seem very distracted. My favorite Deanna moment, I mean, there's not a huge amount to choose from, but the bit on the bridge where she just says, we have to get out of here now. Yeah. Hence your dialogue in that (laughs) play. So that's a weird part to me. We're just jumping all over the place, but I love it. Because what is she sensing that would tell her to get out of there? Danger? She doesn't sense, like, physical danger. She senses emotions. Mm -hmm. So the ship coming through is a physical thing happening. 
but so yeah. is she is she having an empathic moment or is she just having the same level of deja vu that everybody's happening having and she <laughs> sounds like saru she feels the coming of death you know she yeah. doesn't uh well, when she says we need to get out of there, the ship, the Bozeman hasn't come through yet. So the only thing I feel that she's sensing is that the temporal anomaly, you know, allowed them to, that's what they were sensing, that she was feeling a presence from that anomaly. She's feeling Frasier. Right. She was sensing the Frasier. Bozeman. Frasier. Yeah. Well, do you know who's working overtime on this episode? It's Beverly Crusher and mm -hmm. Gates McFadden. I think Gates is pretty much in every scene almost, maybe save for one or two and Picard's reading by yeah. himself or something like yeah. that. But pretty much she's in every scene. So um, I've always loved this episode because I thought, I always think of this as a Beverly episode um, yeah. and kind of is. It's every not a Troy scene. episode. Every scene is from Beverly's perspective and you get Beverly's reaction to everything that happens. Uh, and you're right, Christos. I think the only scene she's not in is where Picard is actually the one passed through the causality loop where you see Picard toward the end. Yeah. Reading his book. Um, but every other scene she's in. So I, I call this the forgotten Beverly episode because it seems like an ensemble episode but it's really not. Everything's from Beverly's perspective. Yeah. I, I think I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to throw in a little, something I was going to put in trivia, but it's perfect right here since you have this. Um, I remember getting the very, 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 very first Playmates Beverly Crusher action figure. And you remember everyone had those little uh, card, they came on the card backs and they had the little cutouts. You could have their little character cards and they all had a distinguished service notation. But for Beverly's, her distinguished service notation, star date 45662.1, says Dr. Beverly Crusher's intuitive sense alerts her to strange time loop phenomena, which threatens the USS Enterprise. Uh, um, aptly using her diagnostic skills, she's able to prove through a card game that the USS Enterprise was indeed trapped in a time loop. So I guess either A, it's sad that there wasn't something better to put on the back of Beverly's card, or B, that's they it was well recognized way back then that it it's a Beverly. Episode. I think the time that those Playmates figures were first released was during season five. Yeah. So the yeah, more kind of Beverly moments of suspicions, dare I say it, uh, the ghost candle. It's not going to put fucks a ghost on the back of the action figure, let's face it. But like mm -hmm. taking command, none of that had happened by the time the figures came out. But I'm surprised they didn't go for Remember Me. That would have been yeah. more of a... Yeah. yeah, the obvious one, yeah. How do you feel, Christos, in terms of, you know, because you could argue that Data saves the day because he's the one that spots the number three, changes the... I, uh, decompresses the yeah. shuttle bay, blah, blah, blah. But would we have got to where we got to without Beverly's... Yeah, the, the biggest thing Beverly together. plays is is recording the sounds. That's that's the voices. That's that's mm -hmm. the key to having how they solve the problem. Yeah. What it's a teamwork. The... We all, look what we said. It's a teamwork episode. It's definitely a teamwork. Absolutely. Any other standout moments from the episode? Amy, what are you thinking? Well, I wanted to go back um, and discuss Brandon Braga and Jonathan Frakes because that, I mean, what an episode. I'd never seen anything like this before on any TV. I mean, Quantum Leap, you sort of get that, but that's the premise of the show. Um, it was interesting, Christos, you shared a, I don't know, YouTube clip would, or whatever. It was an uh, article, yeah. Yeah, an article about Brandon Braga discussing this episode and how when he got letters after it aired of all these panicked people like writing to the their shows you know abc nbc whatever it was playing on and you're it's broken what did you do you we need to see the whole episode it kept repeating um and how just sort of this flash of genius that he had um but there were struggles to try and get it through even with the actors that it's like this is the same line of dialogue where I'm saying this four different times, what's going on. Um, I just found that very interesting, sort of the 
the whiplash that came sort of before and after the idea. Yeah. Do any of you remember your first time seeing this episode? Did you feel the same that, what the hell's going on? Did anyone think it was broken or? Well, I would say my, I think I was in the ninth grade or something when this came out. I knew obviously that the TV wasn't broken. I just remember loving the episode. I thought it was really cool. It was, it was like, it was, this is when TNG was really arguably hitting at its best, you know, season four, season five, season six, and they were writing good sci-fi. Um, I think I've also mentioned this on the show, but I like this episode so much that I was in, I was in 10th grade because I was in 10th grade honors English lit. And I wrote an essay about this episode and I was about to get kicked out of that class because I, I went from being in ninth grade doing great in regular English to being like, oh, you're doing so good in English. We're going to put you in honors next year. And I got into honors and I wasn't doing so great. But then I wrote this essay about this episode and I got an A on the paper and suddenly my teacher loved me because I think I found out she was a Trekkie and that kind of like saved me getting through that class and not ruining my GPA. <laughs> but I, I don't even know if I still have that essay somewhere. I think I do. I think it's at my mom's house. <laughs> you know, when I saw it, of course, you know, you're in Star Trek. We're season five. So we know it's something sci-fi, but man, that cold open I was shocked. Like that startled me. Um, so watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, how is this going to happen? And we're, and then to see it over and over again, blowing up my Enterprise D, that's a character on the show. Like, don't be killing off the Enterprise D. So that was most shocking to me. I am um, thinking back and looking at this through the lens of a child. I love this episode just because a lot of the secondary characters were present and had things to do. But like just having Ensign Rowe on duty as the pilot without it being an Ensign Rowe episode, she was literally yeah. just yeah. working that day. And to me, that as a kid, that's all of your toys out of the box. That's using everyone. Yes, I know there was, unfortunately, there was no Nurse O'Gawa action figure. Damn you, playmates. Um, yeah. But I just love that. And I, I think if if only Chief O'Brien was in the episode, that would have been like, mm, chef's kiss. Yeah. That would have had is everyone. Isn't is Lieutenant J next to Jordy on the bridge too in this episode? Oh, well, right. probably. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much in every episode. But I just thought there was a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of deep cuts in this one. Um, but yeah, I noticed that too. It's like, oh, like everyone's kind of in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Going back to what Amy was saying too about this, the way they kept on doing it over and over again, it was probably a really fun episode to make because I'm sure when they shot it, like for example, they probably did all the card game scenes, all, all different versions of it back to back. They didn't film it out of order, right? So it was probably, can you imagine being in that, on that set at that card table all day, you know, Gates and Brent and Michael Dorn and, and, and Frank, they probably were having a really good time just because they were like just really hanging out for the whole day. <laughs> I hope they had comfy time. chairs. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. want to sit in those chairs like all day. I mean, and remember, <laughs> it's a tour de force, I think, for Jonathan Frakes because he's acting and directing. So, yeah. and to hear him talk about, oh, well, we had to, you know, film it from different angles to keep it interesting because it was the same dialogue. So to hear him talk about him directing, but then I was thinking like, yeah, that poker, you know, that's a scene that he is in. And yeah. the way that like focuses on the face, that final time when they thought they would see the cards, but it was all threes, like that was so impactful. Or like when Beverly hears, or no, when we hear the crash, but we're in engineering and we hear it. And just how he frames it was brilliant. And as the audience, we know it's kind of like that final destination type thing. Certain things are like bound, no matter what, they're going to happen one way or another. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Frakes is in the 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 the, the bridge scenes, the conference, conference room, room scenes, and the uh, card game. So that's that's a good 70, 80% of the episode. I think yeah. the only other major scenes are the sick bay scenes and Beverly's quarters. Mm -hmm. 
And it's easy for us to talk about Jonathan Frakes as being a fabulous director that we know him to be, but this was only two years after The Offspring, his first ever director's job. I don't have my list, and you know, behind-the-scenes trivia is my weakness, so I don't know how many he directed before Cause and Effect, but what a challenge for any director to say, here's you're going to shoot these scenes four times, but you need to do them identically, but slightly different. Yeah, different angles, different, yeah. Um, Let's talk about like how things have come along, had come a long way. I mean, just two and a half years prior, we were looking at Shades of Grey. And now, (laughs) now, and how much the show rose in quality in in, in that time. Ooh, good point. Yeah, season five is very much my sweet spot for TNG. It's my favorite season uh, with my favorite episode. So um, I always forget as well, with this episode being so amazing, that the end moment where, you know, the Bozeman comes through and the answer the hail and it's Kelsey Grammer, like a really big guest star. It's almost like, wow, you, you forget that Kelsey Grammer's in this episode because it's so good in itself yeah. that it, it's just one final big sucker punch of wow at the end it well, is a little what? too bad that he they kind of wasted the cameo though because he would be a great guest on track but he they had him in this episode they had him for like 30 seconds and he's done and it just seemed like i don't know to me it seemed like kind of a waste um yeah. I, well first off i one thing i um I noticed like they, they, you know, it's ruined because we've seen it a million times, but they actually give him in the, he's in the opening credit as a guest star. So, you know, he's coming mm-hmm. if you're paying attention. I, I noticed that for the first time last night. Um, and I didn't this come from the fact that like Cheers and Star Trek, the next generation shot side by side at yes. Paramount yeah. and it was really easy to get him over. Yeah. Um, I would have loved, I know it happens in a book, but I would have loved to have seen getting him back as a follow-up episode like you know that would be like would be really cool to explore on screen you know okay but you've had a year of catch-up on history and technical stuff and now you're a captain again out on a new ship or something that would have been kind of cool yeah well follow-up. they already have it in continuity in trek that time travel can happen and you slingshot around the sun and blah blah blah, blah. they could have sent him back i don't know temporal prime directive <laughs> no, but he would have always been missing. That's sending him back would fundamentally change history. Mm. The Bozeman would have effectively gone missing and had lo- considered lost for eighty years or whatever it was. If you sent him back so that they didn't go through the time causality loop, that would be that would start a whole other timeline. <laughs> All well, this space I- travel talk or time <laughs> travel talk, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I just watched Voyager's Relativity. You're having that Janeway moment. Don't, don't talk to me about time travel. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my head hurt. I can't, it makes my head hurt. <laughs> well, what I like about seeing Kelsey Grammer, right, because Cheers and, uh, yeah, he was really big. Um, so I feel it's a true cameo, right? He's there. We see his face. That's all we get. And I'm totally fine with that. He has come to Star Trek Las Vegas, and that was very interesting. Uh, but to see him in the monster maroons and then you're like, oh my, how long has he been in this? Because we had just found out that we had lost 17 and a half days. So then to see him in a completely different uniform throwback to original series was yeah. Sucker punch at the end. Well, he says it's 2278 and this would have been about. 2369. So, no, but basically, 100 years, Amy, is what I, to your 90, point. 90 I mean, years. 90. See, there's your math moment, Amy. There's your there math you moment. See, I'm giving math, and you're oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love when they talk about um, cheers being on the, the sets next door. They they often used to talk about how there was no catering budget for TNG. So because Cheers was such a big show by that point, all the actors used to sneak into the Cheers set and steal the food from their yeah. buffet, uh, from their crafts, because they didn't get any of their own. So that I, I just I love little stories like that. 
Okay, so shall we have a look at some assimilations and regenerations for this episode? It was hard for me to get down on paper a few assimilations because I just love everything about it. And I've yeah. already kind of said why I think it's a perfect episode. So just kind of, yeah, building on what I said about Frakes directing, I think one of the parts of the episode where it particularly stands out each time through the time loop where it's a little different is the bit where after the nacelle is hit by the bozeman and the ship goes into free fall there's one pass where you see an external shot of the enterprise doing a 360 and then there's one where you just see Riker fall over from when he stood next to data that's what happens when you stand on one foot on the bridge and then there's a random shot as well where you just it just shows the view screen shaking like with nothing else oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so yeah it's really cool I also like when they're showing it in that they're showing that the, the ship is spiraling out of control on the view screen at that toward the later shot. Um, I would say for me, and I, we talked about a little bit, like as this being a Beverly episode, first off, I think Gates McFadden looks amazing in this episode. Um, the way they, I like how they started messing with her hair by this season and started making a little more adventure. Well, it is a wig, but at least they've started doing different stuff, but she just looks gorgeous and, but I love that we see Beverly more as a scientist in this episode, not just being the doctor. Of course, she's doctoring through Geordi's thing, but she's just contributing as a competent crew member, which is, like I said, something she best underplayed earlier in, in earlier seasons. So I, I, I just like that this is how, like I said, very much like the chase. It doesn't have to be a Beverly episode, but just show her just being in, in there with the rest of the crew contributing. She still has time to drink a glass of champagne and trim her bush. Uh, I think that with Grand Marnier. Oh, oh my lord! <laughs> I can hear that the, the song that Beverly's humming when she's doing it. I, I can I can hear it now in my head. It's so bizarre that I've I've not even done a rewatch for this week. It, it's it's just there. It plays <laughs> rent free in my head. <laughs> Some of the choices by Jonathan Frakes. Um, like especially like the poker table moments but then again when they're in engineering and uh you're just hearing um dr beverly crush's voice uh talking about um what the voice she heard and that kind of thing and then all of a sudden you do hear the sound of the the flute it's like these directorial choices um really make the episode uh special and it shows the attention to detail and the thought and the care that went into um, bringing this to fruition. And one thing that I absolutely love about this episode is it is the best discussion on fate, destiny versus free will and choice. Like every single time Beverly's, you know, champagne glass breaks. Is that destined to happen? Do we not have a choice? She literally places it on a different table so as to not break it, but it still breaks. So does that mean we don't have a choice in this world? Like it is the well, best discussion. I love it. I mean, and it's so amazingly great for like a loop and time crazy, but like that is one thing that I love and just discussing ad nauseum. <laughs> there's that movie series final destination and it's kind of the same concept you're talking about there were like there these kids were all supposed to be on this plane that blew up mm -hmm. but something happened at the last minute and they didn't get on they got off the plane and then they all start dying one by one in freak accidents and it's kind of like this you know the universe setting mm -hmm. itself right kind of idea it, it's the basis of you can't cheat fate or yeah. cheap death, I suppose. One way so, yeah. or another. I mean, and you know, with Jordy's phaser going out, then that reminds me of phase shift, like Roe and Jordy, you know, being not falling through the, <laughs> the floors. But um, or it also reminds me of parallels, like how they're just traveling. And I'm like, if you combine those two, where do we sit with free will versus fate? Like, ah, uh, I can this i just this is a fabulous discussion i love it it's good 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 pick good pick um mark you were mentioning earlier about 
uh, Captain Bateson. And, you know, what a shame we didn't see him more. And Christos, you mentioned the book. You know, for anybody interested, the book is called A Ship of the Line. And it's set just before first contact. So it's all about the story of the Enterprise E being built. And Captain Bateson is involved in the construction of the Enterprise E. So if anyone mm. wants to go back and read that, it is available. But there's a scene in uh, All Good Things where they're on the edge of the neutral zone and they say, uh, you know, ships on the Romulan side, ships on our side. And they say the Concord and the Bozeman are on our side. And Riker says, oh, a face off. Who's going to go first? And because we are. But I'm wondering, is that the Bozeman from this episode? So has the ship been kind of retrofitted, brought back into active service? Or did they make a new Bo Bozeman A? You know, who is what, it? Was it the Bozeman mentioned uh, and um, Best of Both Worlds? It's mentioned um, in another episode as part of a battle group besides that. But Yushu, um, the, the Melbourne, and the Tolstoy, they were the three ships from Best of Both Worlds. I would I think, because because they do make the point that they've been out of service for a really long time. And so I would imagine maybe there was probably more ships christen the bozeman already there's probably another bozeman already running around at the time this episode happened so maybe yeah. it's maybe it's in the fleet museum just on the far side and we just didn't see it it looked it. like the set of the stargazer that's what i was thinking of when i was like oh they repurposed that set well, those yeah. are all movie sets the mm. okudas roll their eyes say oh get the old okuda grams out <laughs> Yeah, one more that I noticed only after covering uh, Joe Minoski episode where we talked about 47 and why that came to be. Uh, the mathematical justification is shows up here when Data's like, I've been running into the number three in an inordinate amount of time. That's because he knows the probability of numbers showing up randomly. And when they show up more frequently, hence why we have our 47 reference. I was just like, oh, it's like come full circle. And Joe Minoski is co-producer uh, on this episode as well. Yeah. So slightly, slightly off topic, but completely on topic. I've come across 47 personally several times this last week, including like being like given my ticket to go for my food and I'm waiting, it's 47. And oh my gosh. Like, like two or three times something like that's happened to me. And I just wonder that, you know, I'm a going to be 47 next year i don't know if it's, i'm starting oh. to have my 47 it's starting nice. to become a thing this yes. is where i become i this is where i become a cemented in star trek legacy because like, i made it to 47 mm -hmm. oh have you shouted computer and program just in case you're on the holiday oh. yeah <laughs> kelvin you'll have to find a reason to come to uh, star trek las vegas because i will turn 47 at this year's star trek las vegas for my 47th year, that was the first year that I did all the Star Trek things. It was the cruise, the convention. So I sort of celebrated it. So celebrate big, Christos. We will, Amy. You'll be there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Over to uh, Regenerations then, just sticking with the 47. I do feel that there was a wasted opportunity here that they could have used 47 when Data says impact in 36 seconds. It's so minor, but to just have impact in 47 seconds would have been so much sweeter. I mean, if that's the regenerations that we're pulling out of this episode, you know it's not a, you know it's a pretty perfect episode <laughs> if that's all you got. <laughs> I'm going to combine a trivia and a regeneration here because um, we talked about Kelsey Grammer and Cheers and Next Door. It's, it's well written. Uh, it's well known. I think we even talked about it that Kirstie Alley was supposed to be in this episode as well as Savick. And that's a major regeneration for me. I would have loved to have seen Kirstie Alley next to uh, Kelsey Grammer or next to Captain Bozeman as Savick and kind of, that would have been the final time we saw Savick and it would have kind of brought, kind of got, had it gone full circle that she played it one more time. Maybe I wouldn't have minded seeing Savick, but to have Kirstie Alley and Kelsey Grammer, that would have been too bonk bonk. But they're on Cheers together. That's what makes it. I know perfect. that's what makes. Yeah, it I, I have to go me. with. I have to go with Christos. Oh. Uh, that would have been a chef's kiss. It oh. it would have been such a shoehorned in your face fan service bullshit. Well, 
but everyone it would have been amazing. <laughs> everyone has seen that meme that goes around that has Savick and Bozeman and Brent Spiner and, um, and Kate Mulgrew and all these Star Trek actors who guest starred or were on Cheers. And it says Cheers was really a holodeck simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, that would have been perfect just to have them next to each other. Robin Curtis probably wouldn't have enjoyed it just as much. <laughs> okay. Um, Amy, now I, I think you're going to disapprove of this regeneration. The way we consume Star Trek, obviously we're all over everywhere. We just choose the good ones when we want to. So even though it came two years after Pause and Effect, the line in All Good Things, where they're in the conference room, um, is spoken by Troy, and it's a complete copy of the line from Cause and Effect, where Picard says, we can't afford to start second-guessing ourselves. We'll stay on this course until we have reason to change it. Deanna literally says that line in All Good Things. And whenever I hear it, I just go, oh, Deanna, <laughs> where have we heard this before? That's because they don't know how to write her. They just, you know, she's there as a warning beacon. We must get out of here now. One thing that I just noticed again on this rewatch, it it goes between, right, their 7 a.m. discussion and then Beverly preparing to go to bed. Like those are sort of the two times or like the downtime at the poker where we're assuming that's after work, after duty, you know, so you've got the morning and your evening, the entire ship. It just feels evening the entire time. And I know there's no sunlight in space. I get it. But the lighting I just felt was a little off. I felt like every scene was, oh, I'm ready to go to bed. I don't know. I, the lighting should have been different. I just going to say, I do like what you've said about the lighting. Um, I'd never noticed that it all the scenes took place during the night. I think it's on Data's day when he takes command of the night shift and he says, begin night watch, and the yeah. lights come down on the bridge. That would have been nice. Yeah, but by the time we're called onto the bridge, the temporal anomaly has been spotted and all that stuff. So now we're at a heightened sense of alert and they would not be running in night mode, right? And I think... Worf was watch on bridge watch during because he's not Worf is not in the conference room right right he's on the bridge on the final run yeah in the final run okay yeah. oh no on the final run he is I beg your pardon because Ensign Rowe yeah. gets his line but so the bridge so the t- only times we see the bridge we've already established that there's an anomaly off you know out there and so I would think whatever night mode is canceled you know they're 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 at alert now see I noticed something while I was watching, and I don't know if anybody else caught this or not, but the particular model I think they used to blow up, uh, it looked like the captain's yacht was missing. It sounds crazy. But if you pause it when they're doing like a flyby before it misses the Bozeman, there's, instead of it being a rounded bottom of the D, uh, it's like divided in and it looks like the ship that's supposed to be in there. The captain's yacht is gone. So Hmm. I don't know. I just caught it and I was like, huh, this is never explained. Well, they, they, the model they blew up, I think is a, like at that time you could go buy, you can go to the hobby shop and buy these, you know, Star Trek models. I used to put them together and we used to also blow them up at 4th of July. Um, So they probably didn't blow up one of their really nice six foot or four foot models. They they had to blow up something else. Now the funny thing about that was the captain's yacht was you had to glue it in. So maybe they didn't glue it in. I don't know. Mm. It was the it was something you could take out of that. Hmm. And it looked like that little hole was there. No, I had the model too. And you they had there was a uh, well a little piece of plastic that you kind of shove it into the bottom of the D to get it to to stick in there with the glue. And it looked like the hole was there with that little piece is supposed to stick in. Mm. Uh, so that makes sense, Christos, if it was one things, of the... Things that weren't supposed to be seen on a 70-inch television in high definition. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> that it wasn't even it. a regeneration. It was just a notice. Yeah. It's all. a bit like... The, it reminds me of the Voyager conspiracy, this, of like Seven of Nine freezing the screen during the Kurtaker's array exploding and going, what? Is that a tractor beam? What's that? And, Mark's, Mark's now spawned a theory that 
the captain's yacht ex, uh, got away and it's now in a different reality somewhere flying off. It's escaped the loop. So yeah, well done. I love that. Moment. There is a little regeneration I'll throw in. There is a little wire through the back of the, uh, the back of the enterprise going up into the nacelle. And I think that was from the, you know, having the, 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 explode you know the, the tnt whatever they used to blow that shit up stuff up is you know i think that was part of the wire they used to blow it up i was like oh i kind of see that okay answer me this how many pips does data wear two and a half but there's two three and, pips yeah there's three but there's two and a black one but you're right it's a, it's three yeah because okay. the three pips thing i thought of that last night too amy yeah. On my rewatch, he's wearing three pips too. Yeah. Although this is a breakers are is solid. Simulation, but I noticed that purposefully the way that it was shot, and I guess what it uh, was stage stage right, we'll say from the actor's perspective, the camera stayed there for that whole end scene. Every single person was shot from that direction. They didn't move around, and I noticed that because in every scene where you saw any of the people on the bridge, you always saw the pips in this final scene. They made it a point. You would mm -hmm. see Rolaire and you would see her one pip. You would go up to, you know, um, Captain Picard and you would see his pips. Mm -hmm. And so they were all shot from that same direction. So you, the, the viewers would notice the pips again. It, everything was very purposeful in this episode. And I love that. Yeah. I always, I, I, it's interesting that I, feel the opposite and this may just be the way i have my tv set up and always have but the moment when data turns his head and clocks the pips on Riker, it's so dark that i can't actually i obviously i know there's three pips there but i can barely see them so it must just be my tv settings because i've always to, you, they, you need to adjust your colors it's fine yeah they could have uh, they could have made that a lot more distinct. And why does everybody look like they're assimilated? Why is everybody gray? <laughs> Maybe it's my TV. <laughs> okay. And then just one last thing, like again, with Riker standing over Data, his Riker maneuver, leg up, right? Uh, and shaking, come on. You're not gonna be in a shaking ship standing on one leg. Come on, Riker. I mean, and that's, obviously a director's choice where he was placed and how his leg was and everything that was him calling the shots because yeah. i don't really think you ever see anyone ever put their foot on that and i'm sure the prop people didn't like that very much either <laughs> i love it okay shall we have a look at some trivia for this episode absolutely trivia 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 uh brandon Braga described the cold open as the ultimate teaser, which showed the Enterprise being destroyed. Many TV stations received calls from confused viewers when the next scene saw the normal opening and captain's log as they, as though the show has been transmitted out of sequence. So that's kind of funny. Braga was proud that he finally managed to get a poker game central to the show as a major plot point, not just a cute character development scene. I think that's, and it just, it adds so much to the character, but now this is a plot point. So it's pretty creative. Right. And we know, like, like I said, poker becomes that legacy. I think we first started in season two and goes all the way through the end of Picard. So mm -hmm. uh, just those, those poker games are just kind of like a warm blanket that you just kind of like, oh, yeah. they're playing poker in this episode. I love it. Yeah. Um, what it we mentioned a little bit. Yeah, well, no, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll mention this next one because there is a little bit more here. Um, so, listeners, we said Kelsey Grammer became the third Cheers actress to enter the Star Trek universe. Um, what we didn't mention earlier was that BB Newworth, who played Lilith on uh, Frasier and Cheers, uh, was in the episode "The Episode First Contact" from season four. And like we said, Kirstie Alley was in Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, was supposed to have a cameo, and then of course, um, Kelsey Grammer became the third after that. And B.B. Newworth uh, allows what Riker to escape because they um, have a mm -hmm. little <clears throat> interlude. And uh, had, a, had, a Riker, had a Riker moment. Yeah, that was hot. Let's not, let's not forget that Morn on Deep Space Nine should be Norm from Cheers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, another Cheers reference. Yes. Man. 
Okay, so the USS Bozeman was originally supposed to be a Constitution class vessel, not the Miranda variant, the Soyuz class. Uh, but when they started adding up the cost of all the uniforms, the props, the models, they couldn't afford it. So they went with the, just a kitbashed Miranda and called it a Soyuz class. And the decompression of the main shuttle bay external shot was the first time in TNG that this location was depicted. Now, the two shuttles, um, even though the lettering is too small, but, you know, you get these behind the scenes, you know, books that we all love to get. Um, the lettering on those shuttles were Berman and Pillar, obviously a nod to executive producers Rick Berman and Michael Pillar. Yeah, I... Um... I love that we finally see the main shuttle bay. I don't know. Did we ever see it again? I mean, it's... I don't think so. No. All yeah. the shuttle bay scenes. I mean, they're always so different, but they tend to be like the smaller shuttle bay two or three underneath. Yeah. Um, but you have to build such a large set. Yeah, because it, it's huge. It, imagine how big that main shuttle... Just think of the the, the external door and, and kind of place that against something like Voyager or the Defiant. That room would be massive. Yeah. yeah, be the size of the discovery. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, I think the back that's a good, you know, that the back shuttle bay of discovery is a big, I mean, it's a, it's a fake set mostly, but it's, it would be have to be something like that, if not bigger. Okay, then final thoughts. Um, I guess who did it better? So this is going to be interesting. <laughs> what are we preferring, cause and effect, or our previous host choice? Uh, the chase. I guess we could also include Amy, your host choice when we did unification as well. So those are the three mm, all TNG episodes, like we said last. Yeah, week. this is mm. this is a closely run race. You know where my vote is. I'm voting for cause and effect. I just well, you know where mine is because I chose mine as my host choice. So. Oh, <laughs> now, Amy, Mark. You... You corrected me at the time to say Unification isn't your favorite episode, but you wanted to choose it. That's correct. Yes. So, so yeah, so. I, in fact, I totally forgot that we had already done my post choices <laughs> Unification. So kudos to you for remembering that. This is why I don't do well at trivia. I can't even remember the episodes well, I choose. After um, we do marks, we'll restart the loop. So you can, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, the chase, oh has so many wonderful meaty things to talk about. Um, but I just, it's fate, destiny versus, I'm just, I gotta go with that concept. Oh, that killed, it pains me because the chase unifying, we're all together. We're all, oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah I choose those two. Oh, Mark, <laughs> you're the decider. This episode. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Ah, yeah. we have a draw. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. I just love this episode. It's great. Yeah. No, it, it this mean, is it... one that you can show to anyone that's not Star Trek. Uh, it's fun. You get enough character development that you know they're a crew. Uh, there's amazing right things to discuss after watching it. Like it's 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 yeah, really good. I mean, at the end of the day, this episode is just very, very good, well-written science fiction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could write this story, like to your point, it could be your first time seeing Star Trek. Uh, it could be set in many other franchises. This episode just works, but the concept would work in a lot of other shows and whatnot. But it, it's great science fiction. I mean, it's not the Elysian Kingdom, but it's a, it's a good it's a good. <laughs> And it's not magic I, to make Danis man go bold, which was a copy of this episode on Discovery. Oh, Lord. I said right. Legion Kingdom because I know uh, it's a lot of, it's very divisive among the fans. I love it, but I think a lot of people uh, disagree with me. I'd be keen to know if there are people out there who don't enjoy cause and effect. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not baiting for an argument with people. I'm just keen to know, do you exist? Or maybe drop a note in the comments on our social to say, I don't like this episode. <laughs> we don't often ask for that, but it's so universally it, loved. It, 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 it regularly ranks in top TNG episode lists. What shows are on BQN, you ask? Well, here's a rundown of some podcasts you might be interested in. 
All Good Things, a Star Trek Universe podcast covering all of Trek, hosted by Amy, Mark, Christos, and Kelvin. Bargain Bin Gamer, a YouTube show hosted by Davey, a self-proclaimed gamer who specializes in reviewing and showcasing affordable video games. If you're lost in the Delta Quadrant, check out The Captain's Couch, a Star Trek Voyager podcast hosted by Jeremiah sitting on Janeway's ready room couch. Cinema Z, a film discussion and review podcast showcasing films you probably missed but should definitely check out. Hosted by Mark, Matt, and Laz. Beam Aboard the Galaxy Class, a Star Trek Next Generation podcast covering all of TNG. Hosted by Amy, Joe, Rhea, and Kevin. History with the Zilagis, a snippet of historical events from around the world. Hosted by Chrissy and Jason. For the newest Trek coverage, check out Infinite Diversity, hosted by Chrissy and Thad. Test your Trek knowledge with Trexpert's Quiz, a Star Trek quiz show hosted and written by Davey. Union Federation, covering all things Star Trek and the Orville, which we all know is really a Star Trek show, hosted by Kyle, Kevin, Amy, and Haley. Spill the tea with What's the Tea, Bev? a Trek current events and fan interview show hosted by Christos. And for our Patreon members, we have The Hive Mind, BQN's monthly roundtable discussion with hosts and listeners. It's Green, a cornucopia of topics hosted by Mark. And Amy's Math Moments, a quick look at math moments in Star Trek hosted by Amy. We know you have a choice of podcasts to choose from, and we thank you for listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Amy, we've had a whole lot of your recorded voice in this episode. <laughs> a whole, too much. <laughs> <laughs> right, Christos, take us away on shore leave. What's happening next week? Well, listeners, your homework is going to watch... Uh ds9s he who is without sin that's our shore leave part four we would love to hear what you thought of today's episode and hope you'll join our facebook group the bqn collective to continue our discussion there you can also reach us at all good pod on blue sky please follow the network on blue sky and instagram at bqn podcasts We've also partnered with our friends at the Fandom Podcast Network, where you can find us by searching the Master Feed. So, Christos, where can people find you when you're not telling everyone about the voices in your room, but nobody was there? Well, you can find me on Facebook in the BQN Collective and on socials at Greek Geek SD um pretty much everywhere but twitter now <laughs> and amy where can people find you when you're not having your fifth grand marnier before bed <laughs> i think i'll have that tonight thank you uh you can find me here in the network where i'm co-hosting union federation and not galaxy class listeners <laughs> i know if you listen to our last episode, uh, we are passing it along to new hosts, Keith and Steven. So hope you'll listen there. Uh, but I still am in the BQN Collective, our Facebook group, and on that Twitter place, at Miss Amy Nelson. And Mark, where can people find you when you aren't putting your dog in the next room so he's not joining us for our podcast? <laughs> He's actually uh, very quiet. He's He podcasts with me on almost all of my shows. He's usually cr cuddled up next to my feet. Uh, wow. So, yeah, I'm very lucky. He's, he's pretty good in the podcast. Um, when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Cinema Z, my film discussion and review podcast. I do with uh, Matt Jennings and a smattering of uh, guest hosts. Um, we have an episode dropping well this week as well so when this episode comes out yeah, our dune episode will come out where we discuss all of pretty much all of the cinematic dunes so tune in for that you can also find me in the bqn collective facebook group 
and on Blue Sky at MW207. And Calvin, where can people find you when you are not making my acting dreams come true by creating a, a beautiful script for us? Oh, uh, you can find me on the socials at Kelvin's Timeline or over on Facebook in our BQN Collective Facebook group. Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a star rating and a written review. That helps others to find the show. You can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. At this time, we would like to thank our associate producers, Mahendra Radhakrishnan and Tim Cooper. A special thanks to Graham Kelly for our opening and closing music and to our lovely Mark White for our artwork each and every week. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you too can become a patron of the network on Patreon. We'll add you to the Hivemind Facebook group so you can enjoy It's Green, Amy's Math Moments, and other network perks. For the monthly subscription of $5 or more, you can join our meetings on the Hivemind Roundtable discussion on the second Saturday of each month. Visit patreon.com forward slash BQN to get all the details and watch your messages. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us as we search out all good things.